Hello and welcome to Too Fast, Too Forever. There's all kinds of family, we chose this one. This is episode 97, Ronin, 1998. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Too, and this episode is brought to you by Audi. Response, effective immediately. Dubai Turbo Power working in conjunction with the Quattro all-wheel drive and an 8-speed Tiptronic automatic transmission means your input is quickly answered with formidable output the all-new Audi S8. Shout out, Audi, and welcome back to our Robert De Niro week, closing up the Robert De Niro week with Ronin, a movie that I thought came out in 2002. It's actually 98, so it still does fit our new definition of classic car movie. But this feels like a modern car movie, dude. It does. It does. Okay. Before we go any further, I do want to make a note that tomorrow night, as this episode comes out, Saturday, June 6th, We are having our watch-along party for your birthday. We are watching the Gone in 60 Seconds Angelina Jolie bullshit movie on Discord. So we will send out a link. Oh, I'm so excited. We sent out the reminder email about a week ago. We will send out another email tomorrow. So I hope you can join us. Yeah, I hope so too. It'll be fun. Like I was doing some research last night on like what I wanted to put in the pre-roll because if you guys have joined us or you haven't yet, you know that we like to put together like a pre-roll before the movie starts, you know, some other trailers, stuff like that. And I put together, I think I picked up some good ones. It's a work in progress, but I'm, I'm getting there. Very cool. Well, aside from that, extracurricular activities, aside from that, Joe, what have you been up to since we recorded on Wednesday? Well, since we kicked off Robert De Niro Week with Midnight Run? Nothing much. Hanging out at home. We made some burgers yesterday, and I wanted buns with sesame seeds, so Rachel made the buns from scratch. Whoa, and it okay. actually came out really good. So. so you had sesame seeds. We had sesame seeds. We went to the store, and they didn't have buns that already had sesame seeds on them. And Rachel was like, why don't we try to make them? And I was like, works for me. How'd they turn out? Awesome. Like, really, really cool. good, actually. Yeah. Surprisingly good. They were, like, really good. So Were they, like, firm? Are they soft? Or what are they? Because I feel like the sesame seeds you get at a, at a, like in a bag are usually very, very soft. But I feel like when you bake them, they wouldn't be. But how'd they turn out? This was a little bit more firm than a traditional bun would be. But at a right size, they were very good. It was like a brioche recipe. So like if you go to like a nicer burger place and you get like more of a hearty bun, it was definitely along those lines, but they were really tasty and like the burgers were great and it came out great, more formidable than like a really mushy bun that you buy in an eight pack. I feel like there is a definite middle ground to be found, to be had, because the... The, if you get like a, if you have like a little burger, like if you have like a barbecue burger, yes. that is good for the little eight pack. But then there's oh, also like sure. the next size up is like the sandwich roll, which is just too much bread. But I feel like there's a middle ground that's needed. And if you, you know, if you fill that gap with these homemade ones, I feel like you uh, you cornered a niche in the market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We made them kind of small, you know, and they're like all different sizes because you know you, when you make them by hand, they're not like perfect. But yeah, it was a nice size. It was a little bit bigger than like the eight pack, but not huge like a monster one. So cool. Very, very cool. Anything else you guys have been up to since Wednesday? No, I think that was about it. That's, yeah, that's pretty much it. So actually, right now, this weekend, not actually not right now, but this weekend, a friend of the show, Jordan, is crashing here because the house she's staying at is a family friend, and they're coming back into town. And so Jordan knows that my bubble is tiny. The bu- my bubble is basically just me. Yeah. And her bubble is her and her sister yeah. um, and her sister's roommate. And so she's here for the weekend. She's on here right now, uh, which makes it sound like she's like out and about, like dangerously gallivanting across America. But she's just doing a social distance backyard hang right now, cool. which worked out well for... Um, 
for the timing of this, I can just, you know, yell about nonsense here for two hours, and she'll yep. come back and we'll have some hot dogs tonight for the Keanu Hot Dog Challenge, the Ooh. high school summer party, Brian Rodriguez Keanu Hot Dog Challenge. We're going to do some of those. So Very cool. Fun. What are you going to put on them? I don't know yet. It, uh, is, the, it, the, is it the challenge, like, to put, like, as many things as you can put on You need on at them? least five, and they all <laughs> need to be on there in, like, very heavy amounts. So I did ketchup, mustard, pickles, chili, and baked beans. That was my five. It was delicious it was like very sweet you could not taste the hot dog yeah uh, but i put that video on instagram and i yep, think brian I remember. reposted or something but it's out there if you want to see it but it was delicious this kind of gets at me though because like i'm not a big condimenter one right and two the only thing that i like on hot dogs is brown mustard but it needs to be like a very light amount i don't know if i could do this you gotta pay respect to the uh the keanu reeves classic film flying aka i dream of flying yeah. aka dream to believe aka teenage dream if i did mine this is okay this is what i think i would do if i was designing this this is this five, is mine. you have to do five you have to be in heavy amounts it would be like uh nacho cheese one bacon chili Two. okay probably some Onion, maybe, maybe you're maybe not grilled. So how many was that? Four? That's four. You're basically making a hot dog nacho. Yeah, that's, that's, I think that that's what I would come up with. When I did the, I put the pickles on there because I feel like the Chicago style hot dog, which yeah. I love, is a very specific thing. But that yeah. has like, you know, the celery seed and the pickle and the mm-hmm. onion and everything like that. So I feel like that's kind of near, adjacent to yours maybe without. Oh, and the... jalapenos. I would put on jalapenos okay. too. So then it would definitely be, you know, shout out to like Ben. It would be more of like a nacho hot dog, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that would work pretty you well. You can also crumble like nacho chips on top too to add a, a crunch to the hot dog, which I think could be nice. Ooh, that could be interesting. You're right. Yeah, yeah like tortilla chip, like like the ones you'd put on like a salad, like the mini tortilla chip slices sure. type thing. Yeah. Or do you remember the uh, Lunchables nachos? Oh, God. Yeah, those really tiny, small round like chips. Like nickel-sized <laughs> nachos that all have like a little dip of uh, salsa and a little dip of the cheese. I haven't, I haven't thought about those in years, but yes, I remember those. Well, when you said I didn't, I haven't either. But when you said smaller tortilla chips, I was like, oh, you know, like the nickel-sized ones yeah. of those nachos. They were like the tiniest. How did they even make those? I don't know. I don't know. That's awesome. I loved them. Okay, so when I, I was like the worst Lunchables kid ever, one, I hated eating them cold. I would never get any of the lunch meat ones. I would so I'd only eat like the pizza and the nachos ones. But like, I don't think that I would eat the cheese or the salsa. So they were like really Just pointless chips. for me. Just the chip, I think. I mean, it's still better than, like, the pizza. Do you remember the pizza one where it's, like, a hard, flavorless yes. disc of Cracker. something resembling bread? But, Cracker. yeah, but basically between bre- – it's, like, the gray area between bra- bread and cracker. Yep. Then you put, like, essentially tomato paste on there. And tomato paste, And raw yeah. mozzarella cheese, and that was a pizza. And, oh. like, I ate so many of those. And that was, like, a good – that was one of the good ones. That was one of the really good ones. I would microwave those ones. That was always my favorite way but to I mean, do not, it. not when you're at school. Like, if you bring it to school, it's, like, you I never. I ate them at school. Yeah, I never ate them at school. Have you ever tried cold mozzarella on top of pizza? Baking a pizza and putting mozzarella on top after it comes out? Yeah, so there's like two ways to do it. There's like a place in Pittsburgh, and then there was like another place that claims that they did it somewhere else too. But like when I, for as long as I've been alive, there was a pizza shop in Pittsburgh, and what they would do is they would cook the pizza with just like crust and sauce, right? And then any toppings you would get, they would take the pizza out of the oven. Usually it would be like Sicilian cuts and they would throw like a mountain of like cold cheese on the top of it and they would just shut the pizza box really quick. It would just get like lightly melted, right? Okay. 
but they wouldn't like melt the cheese on the pizza inside the thing. Actually, now sometimes if I'm making a pizza at home, what I like to do is I like make the pizza, melt the cheese on it, and then when it comes out, I throw a handful of cold mozzarella on top of that. And when you go to eat it, okay. then you don't burn the roof of your mouth, and you get Ooh, extra very cheese. Smart. It's a cool move. If you if, like, if you're thinking about it, it's any point. Give it a try. It's a completely different taste, right? Because, like, when you don't melt the cheese, it's, like, a different taste, different texture. This kind of is, like, the one hot, one cold cheese slice on the burger thing, so. I like that. That sounds good. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, so I will I will report back about the hot dog challenge or just follow, cool. I guess, on Instagram or maybe follow High School Slumber Party on Instagram because we'll probably tag him and he can, you know, retweet it or repost it or whatever. So Yeah, I'm not a big Instagrammer, but I'll, I'll take a check for you tonight because I want to see them. What else? So we watched last night, we watched The Guest, which is a movie I've seen a bunch. We both have seen a bunch and we both love. So that's awesome. And then we I watched uh, Police Story which uh, is a Jackie Chan movie. So it's four years after Cannonball Run. And okay. Jackie Chan is a cop tasked to protect this woman. And then he's framed for murder. And there's a crazy action scene to open it and a crazy action scene to close it. And cool. it was on the action bracket that is now DOA. We have basically discontinued brackets just because who knows what, any number of reasons. Yeah. But this movie went further than we thought it would. And I was like, I need to see this movie. And it's awesome. It's the beginning of like a trilogy, I think, at least oh, cool. or maybe four movies. And it's really, really good. And Jackie Chan is just... It's amazing. Is he like finally famous in this one as opposed to Cannonball Run? He directed it, so he's big enough to you know direct movies. But in one scene early on, there's like a wide shot of a street, and he does a backwards somersault through the back seat of a car and out the window (laughs) of a closed door. And that's not the focus of the shot. Like there's other things going on. He's just doing that as it's going on. Although there is another thing that is very uh, death proof, that is very gone in sixty seconds. Where in the mall, and this is kind of a spoiler for the end action scene. So if you want to see Police Story, it's on the newly launched HBO Max. Oh, cool. It's on the Criterion Channel app. But he does this thing where he jumps from like the top floor of a mall and he grabs onto this like cable and slides down. There's all these like lights around, so like all these oh. like lights are exploding as he's going down. Nice. And they show it three times in three different camera angles. Oh, nice. And then the movie they knew it was closes a shot. <laughs> with another one. It's just like let's have cameras everywhere. We're gonna make sure that we show all of these angles. Very cool. Like we talked about, like you pointed that death proof when we talked about gone in 60 we're just like okay the card makes this jump let's get every angle in here he does this crazy jump and you know does like a fast line down we're going to show it three different times the same thing because it's like what is happening it's great it's very very cool it's cool that they're like cognizant enough to know that this is like a badass shot and we want to see it from every angle so that was good i also watched another new movie that i really liked it is the other one that i will recommend since we last spoke okay a new movie on prime that played a fantastic fest last year i haven't i haven't haven't gotten a fantastic fest in a couple years but i keep track of those movies it's a movie called the vast of night um it's new on prime on free to watch they're pushing it hard it's like the featured like the advertised the sponsored poster whatever it's very cool it's like a 1950s 1960s movie following like it's basically like an episode of the twilight zone the mm. movie starts on a tv and then we zoom into the tv like we're watching it's 90 minutes which is great you're in you're out was it actually made in the 50s or 60s or no is it it's, made... it's a new movie it's a brand new movie and okay. it's, it's made by it's a director's first film two dudes wrote it it's their first movie there's stuff in here like not everything works exactly well for me like i still really 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 liked it i gave it four stars it's one of my favorite like this is not a great year for movies yet because all sorts of weird things are happening Mm -hmm. but it's still top five of the year for me they do things in this movie like in terms of filmmaking that like i feel like you just don't do like there's stuff that they're just like give me one example without ruining something so there's a shot 
like it's all takes place in a town and i actually told brian about this i'm like it's kind of a high school movie but it's kind of not because the movie starts at like the high school gym or just the local gym or whatever and the high school basketball team is playing and we start there following the two main characters that we're following for most of the movie and then they go out and do their things like she is a switchboard operator and Mm -hmm. he's a radio host at the the local radio station right okay and it's all in this town and basically the entire town is at the gym and they're elsewhere and there's one point where like the camera goes from her and it goes through the town on apparently on a go-kart that's how they did they used a go-kart okay through the town through the gym up through the crowd out the window down the wall and over to him it like encompasses the entire town in like a non-breaking one-take shot Damn. it's like this is crazy. They also like fade to black a couple times, like these really long monologues, because it's just like it doesn't like you're just watching a guy listen. Like it's just these weird things that you don't see. That like that's cool. It's like yeah. this is weird. Like it takes you out a little bit, but it's also like I've never seen this before. It's kind of very cool. So yeah, and you're like, oh, somebody else is gonna try this now. This might I think be a so. New thing. Yeah, yeah. Or they're not going to because it's like I don't know how to do it different. You'd be like, oh, you just ripped <laughs> off this like micro budget. Yeah, like, I think they, I think it costs like one hundred and fifty thousand. Like it costs like no money to make. So check it out if you have ninety minutes. If you like sci-fi thrillers, I, I do. Feel like they're you that know old timey. Yeah, very cool. I also wanted to point out two other Fast and Furious adjacent things. Number one, tell me, there's an episode of Rick and Morty called Morty Night Run, well, I don't like Midnight this. Run, but Morty Night Run. Okay, it's the episode where they're saving the uh, gaseous cloud. Um, that's voiced by Jermaine Clement, but it's the one where they leave Jerry at daycare. The cloud sounds familiar. I haven't, I mean, like, I haven't seen season two for a while, so, like, without, like, the standout, standout ones, I'm not... The episode, they drop Jerry off at daycare with all the Jerrys. Oh, yes, they, yes, yes. They go, and Rick sells a gun to a serial killer or a bounty hunter or whatever, Yeah. and then he wants to kill this gaseous cloud, but then Morty saves him, and the gaseous cloud that causes all sorts of mayhem. Yep. But in the daycare... There's the some person or some alien or whatever wearing a gigantic Beth head comes out and she says, "Who wants to watch Midnight Run with director's commentary? First one there gets to adjust the picture settings." And oh, all the Jerry's are like, "Oh, right. we we want to do that." Like the director's t- or the you know the factory tint is always too strong. Yeah, and like yeah, I remember just, that. Yeah, the plot is not exactly the plot's not Midnight Run, but they reference Midnight Run, and I was like, "Oh shit, okay, cool." That's really cool. Now that because also because they're all on HBO Max and. There's like a subset of there where it's like parodies of movies and stuff. And so like I think that was in there. I was like, oh, I wonder. And like it's not it's not the same because we just watched it. So I was like, oh, because I watched the episode before I knew the movie. Yes. Like I didn't know what the movie was about. And then I watched it again. I was just like, oh, it's not it's not the same thing. But like the fact that they reference it and it's named effort is very cool. Yes, that is cool. Also on HBO Max, going to keep plugging this because they have all the Looney Tunes, like the classic Looney Tunes. And there's a Looney Tunes episode from 1949 called The Fast and the Furious. What? And it's uh, the Roadrunner and Wiley Coyote. And it's just one of their things where, you know, he's just trying to catch the Roadrunner and he's meeping out of there. You look on Letterboxd because it's, it's classified as a short in IMDb and it's on Letterboxd. And the top, one of the top reviews on Letterboxd is by Branson Reese, five stars. He says, this is the original Fast and the Furious. The other Fast and Furious movies should be renamed to accommodate. The Fast and Furious becomes the Fast and Furious 2, then 3 Fast, 3 Furious, the Fast and Furious 4, Tokyo Drift, 5-ist, and Furious <laughs> Speedy 6, Fast and Furious 7, Furious 8, and then the F9 of the Furious. So I just love that, you know, we're not alone when we see something like that. We're like, oh, we need to memorialize this yes. on Letterboxd by doing, like, weird, dumb shit like that. So yeah. Jordan and I were just, like, scrolling. She's like, I wonder if these old cartoons are racist. And I was like, let's find out. And so they're just, like, a, there's a handful of selected episodes. And I was scrolling through it, and I was like, 
Fast and Furious. Like, I'm like, I know which one we're watching now. It was just, you know, standard Wile E. Coyote Roadrunner yeah. episode, but it was Fast and Furious. What's the answer to that question? Are some of the old Looney Tunes very racist? We only watched that one, so I don't know. Probably. Okay. I mean, everything back then was a little racist, right? Yeah, yeah, true. But we only watched that one because I was like, oh, shit, like, this is... Okay, we gotta watch this one. And the only other thing that I've been up to is actually I was sort of teasing this to you before we recorded. What? But I just had a 15-minute Zoom call with Jimmy Pardo, who is the host of Never Not Funny. Very cool. As a perk of the tier that I support that podcast at you get a 15 minute zoom um so i scheduled it for today and it was very cool and you know you get a link and you just go in there and he lets you into the room and we just talked about you know the craziness of the world and the podcast a little bit and he remembered me like he remembered me from the bell house and i I was like this is amazing because i was wearing the shirt that they gave out at last year's live event which i talked about right so i was in the front row we talked about that he's like do I, did we also meet at, like, pause for a second, he's like, the Bell House? I was like, how How did you remember? Like, that's a, that's amazing. Very cool. He's like, I knew it was either, he's like, when I saw your name, it, I re- remembered it was either there or DC. I was like, you know, that's amazing. Like, yeah, we're Bell House. And I said, you know, we also briefly, briefly met in Austin, but, like, we didn't really have, like, an interaction. Here in, in Brooklyn, which the Bell House is, like, one of the best venues in all of New York. We, you know, I, I met them, I got a picture with them, you know, cool. I bought merch, they signed some stuff, whatever, so it was more of an interaction. But it was very yeah. cool. And then we talked a little bit about baseball ball and then it was over but it was great it was a lot of fun that's awesome dude i was really excited because they recently switched over from like the way that they were getting paid for the podcast like the podcast is free but if you pay you get more episodes and whatever yeah and when they announced their new tiers i sent you i was like these are some ideas like some cool stuff that they're doing you know physical merch perks like that bonus episodes and like this one i was like that's weird and cool so yeah, it was today. It was awesome. It was a lot of fun. Awesome. Very, very cool. I like that. And that's basically it. You know, I feel like my next update on the next episode will be way less exciting, but we'll see what Jordan and I, you know, watch and do and whatever in the next couple Get days. Get into in the next there. couple days, yeah. Yeah. We have a Patreon page. Speaking of bonus episodes and merch and swag, we have a Patreon page, TooFast2Forever.com. Shout out to Cassie Wilson, Jake Freer, Ben Milliman, Nick Burris, Alex Ellenin, Justin Kleinman, Brian Rodriguez of High School Slumber Party, mm-hmm. Higley Gerbys, Wes Hampton, Christian Larson and Jerry Robinson for supporting us at the five dollar level or above. Thank you all for Thank doing you. that. You're Thank all very you. kind and lovely and wonderful people. Mm-hmm. If you want swag and merchandise, like Jerry sent us an email. Spoiler for the email bag. He got his letter and stickers in cool. the mail. He tagged us on Instagram. He sent a oh, note nice. on Patreon saying he got that. Nice. So I hope that he enjoys that. So if you want a handwritten note from me and some Too Fast, Too Forever stickers, head over to TooFastTooForever.com and do that thing there. Also, you get one pick per lap at the $10 a month tier. So that's, you know, the world is your oyster. It's true. It's very true. And speaking of that aforementioned mailbag, we have an email address here on the show, family at cageclub.me. And Joe, we've got a bunch of emails today. Let's wow. just dive right in. Okay, cool. First one was from Jerry, just saying, hey guys, just let you know I received my stickers. So Jerry, I hope you enjoy, enjoy them, those. I hope you stick them in good places. I don't know where you're going to put them, but, you know, let us know. If you have, if you've gotten stickers and you put them somewhere, take a picture. I think, was it Jake who sent us a picture? He put one on his car and he sent us a picture. Yeah, like, that's early. Right. Yeah, I think so. I think it was Jake. Is it Jake, I think, or maybe Ben? Or maybe both? Nah, maybe both, yeah. But yeah, if you've stuck your sticker somewhere cool, one of the stickers, because, spoiler, the tier says one sticker, but I sent three. <laughs> nice. If you, if you put on the sticker somewhere, you know, let us know where you put it. True. Next email from Hector. How I feel about the later Fast movies. Okay. Tell us, Hector. He says, although the later movies aren't the greatest in relation to the rankings, I love them as movies in general. If I still had my DVDs of them, I would watch the fuck out of them. They're better than most movies. Also, I have never seen Lifetime movies, Joe, too. I also don't plan to. You don't You don't have to. I personally love Lifetime movies, as you guys know. But yeah, that answers your question of like, you know, like we yeah. were saying that we always think that 
any Fast and the Furious movie is usually a really like generally better than a lot of other movies. Ranking them is hard because it's not like you don't like them. It's just you don't like them comparatively to the other ones. I also wonder, you know, he got he got, he got rid of his DVDs and with Peacock sort of out, sort of not, like only on Comcast people right now if you pay for Comcast cable. I wonder if that's going to have, we've talked about it on here before, if they're going to have the Fast and Furious movies because like, like we talked sure. about on HBO now, there's all the Harry Potter movies. It feels like the more, I mean, it's more services to pay for everywhere but it just feels like every major thing is somewhere right like yep all the marvel movies are on disney plus mm-hmm. all the simpsons are on disney plus all the you know studio ghibli is now on hbo like everything everything is sort of getting placed somewhere and things that weren't really available to stream for free are now available i mean still not free but like you pay the monthly fee or whatever yeah whatever service puts all, all nine fast and furious movies like that could become the preferred destination for the two fast two forever video service recommendations i'll stop plugging stars the peacock <laughs> has everything cinema just let me know what if there's a service that's just fast and furious streams how much would you pay for that i, I would pay like a dollar a month because i mean we own them it would be the, for the convenience yeah and it would be like a cool app and they would have like all the bonus features like all in one I think, like, maybe even, like, two bucks a month. I think that would be pretty fair. Because it's just them, right? It's just those movies. So we're saying, yeah. like, how much would you pay for, like, just the Fast and the Furious movies? I think, like, $2 a month, you know? And then, like... How much would ones? you pay for a service that was, like, all the movies we cover for this podcast? And we couldn't be like, oh, you know, we're covering for this podcast, like, uh... All the Marvel Tenet movies. and the new Wonder Woman movie. Yeah. And, like, all the, you can't do that. But, like, the things that realistically, you know, classic car movies, cop and robber movies, heist movies... Oh, God, I'd pay a ton. Legal to stream? Legal to own? Yeah, I would pay a ton. I think I would pay 15 20 bucks a month for that, right? Like, everything that's, like, along these lines. Like, it would be, like, all, like, tangentially related stuff to the stuff that we do. I mean, because this is the stuff that I want to watch anyway, so... Exactly. Yeah, what do you... What about you? I would probably pay... I mean, just the fact that it would be, like, less convenient. Like, I wouldn't have to, like, figure out if things are on TiVo or if I have to find it in an app or rent them or buy them or download them or whatever. Like, at least... Like, probably... 10 to 15 feels like a sweet spot. I mean, depends 15, on how much of it sounds about it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it would depend on how much content there was. Yeah. But I think the 10 to 15 would be smart. I think that that's fair. And then Hector signs off. Gotta go. Stay fast. Stay furious. P.S. Here's a picture of young daddy Reeves. And this is a gif of him th- giving a thumbs up at the end of point break or the beginning of point break. Maybe. Oh, dude. That's I think it awesome. might be the end. Yeah, it's in the rain. Um, I was actually watching Point Break last night. Always fun to watch, so. Our next email is from Jason Dickinson. This is actually a little bit of a teaser for the news segment, but he says, Fast and Furious Crossroads, the gameplay trailer for the Fast and Furious Crossroads looks fucking awesome. It will release August 7th, 2020. He sent us this email about it. He sent us his, like, video review of it, of the trailer, and Wes talked about watching the trailer, too, with us. But um, I haven't seen it yet. Did you? No, I saved it to my YouTube list to watch later. I just haven't gotten to it. I feel like it's the kind of thing where, like, I, it, I'm less worried about spoilers for the video game than for a movie. But it's sure. kind of like, I kind of want to just experience the game. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I, I will watch the trailer. I have not yet. But it wasn't one of those things where I was like, I need to see this. Because I want to sort of a little bit of mystery. Kind of. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. But August 7th is not that far. It's two months. Yeah, it's really close. You know, we were talking for a while for a handful of episodes, like, is it going to be pushed to next year? Because there was, like, mm-hmm. an ambiguous, it was supposed to be, like, last year or something, and maybe March or April, movie. whatever. <laughs> exactly. So, we'll see. Find out in two months. Yeah. Next email, also from Hector. Subject line, Stupid Hector. Well, no, not Stupid Hector. What's up, buddy? This is, it's funny, though. It's what we talked about yeah. last episode, or last time we recorded this, or whenever. Remember his series of gifts? Yes. Says, Joey... Hector, and this is, again, like, the, remember, Joey be, like, same yes. sort of format. Joey, colon... 
Hector helped in the Fast Five Redemption. Me talking to myself. GIF of DJ Khaled. Congratulations. You played yourself. Yeah, because he was like, because he was like slandering five and says like he's going to bury it deeper and then ranked it up. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. You Good played job, Hector. Yourself. Yeah. DJ Khaled's proud. Um, our next email is from Jerry Robinson. What's up, so, Jerry? Subject line, I saw the DeLorean at a Giants game. Ooh. Tell me the story. So he says, hey, guys, I'm listening to episode 95 right now, and I'm letting you know that I did see an actual DeLorean in McCovey Cove. It was during a night game. McCovey Cove, if anybody doesn't know, is the body of water outside the, Gi- the San Francisco Giants ballpark. It's in the right field, like Barry Bonds, yeah. when he was mashing home runs. Hit a lot of balls into that water. Yeah, um, somebody so else a night cranked game. one there. I'm sending the link. Hope you guys check it out. So I put the, the video link in Discord if you want to take a look. But yeah, DeLorean makes this? an appearance. And so, yeah, it's on, like, like a water boat, like a, a raft or something, maybe? Oh, really? It's, like, in the – it's literally in the cove. Yeah. Wow. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's like a hover car. Nice. I wonder if very, Jerry very was cool. at this game or just saw it on TV. No, he said he saw it. He saw it in actual McCovey Cove. I, I mean, I think he, I think he's wording it like he was at the game. So that's very cool. I think so. Yeah, that's awesome. This is actually oh, really the gold doors go up too. That's awesome. Yeah, this would be a lot of fun. It's like a hydroplane, right? Like it has yeah. like the big fan on the back of it. It's like a flux capacitor fan. Yeah, and it has a Giants logo on it. So like they were, they were definitely doing this for the Giants too. Next email from Alex Ellenin. Subject line: Commitments. What's up, Says Alex? Joey when referring to the Rock the Vote segment, quote, no, this is the one thing I'm committed to. <laughs> he says on episode 95 of the podcast he co-created to watch the Fast and Furious movies forever. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. He says, what other segments could we replace it with? I think we've got to have ideas. I don't know how much I look forward to thinking about who is the president again at least <laughs> once a week for the next four years. <laughs> that, that, that's a very fair point, Alex. <laughs> I agree. Well, so maybe what we do. And we talked about this before. Maybe we retire the segment until he announces his candidacy. That's fair. Or we could just, like, if there is news, we do it. So I can still look, but I, yes. if there's nothing that comes up. Okay, that's fair. Do you like that? Yeah. You were the one who was committed to it. I was like, you can burn it, man. Like, it's okay. Don't I know, I know, it. I know, I know. Three more emails, all from Wes. Subject line, back to the future. And it's like a series of things that goes. Okay. So here we go. What up, fam? Excellent Back to the Future episode. As you know, this is Mrs. West's favorite movie, and as such, we've both put a lot of thought into it over the years. Yes. As you also know, I love time travel in movies, and I love to dig deep into timelines, which makes this the perfect movie for me to pick apart. Don't get me wrong, I love it, and I totally agree it's not meant to stand up to serious scientific scrutiny. No, it's not. The amount of enjoyment I get out of irritating Mrs. West by breaking down the minutia of her favorite movie far exceeds (laughs) the enjoyment I get from the movie itself. Totally fair. He's like uh, Austin's very own Neil deGrasse Tyson. Oh, yeah. Uh, Actually, the stars in Titanic are not, uh, that's not not what the night sky looked like. Okay, cool, Neil. Like, look at the boat. Look at the boat, Neil. Don't look up. Look at the boat. (laughs) I get, I, I like Neil deGrasse Tyson sometimes, and sometimes I find him to be very insufferable. But, like, that's his shtick right i get it yeah yeah like i mean like he's he's not out there like saying dumb shit it's just like we don't care that the stars aren't right (laughs) like you're saying west goes on my favorite thing and you talked about this a little is suggesting that back to the future is actually a tragedy because marty created this alternate timeline with a family and a history that he has no connection with and he can never get back to his life he will forever feel like an outsider Mm -hmm. He seems okay with that almost immediately, though. I also like to give her a hard time about them not recognizing that their kid looks exactly like Calvin, but I actually agree with the explanation of time fogging your memory. That's what we said, No one was walking around with a camera in their pocket 24 hours a day back then, 
so there probably weren't any photos of him either. Yeah, because he was only there for like a week, and even if he was at the dance, it didn't seem like they were taking pictures at the dance, right? So if he doesn't like get into like the prom picture booth, if they had one then nobody would really remember him. Do you want to talk about the meme that you sent me and Wes about the photograph? I sent Wes and Joey this meme. It was like something like, found this beautiful photo, hoping to return it to its owners. It's, um, found this old picture in a broken frame near an abandoned building in Sailorsburg last night. I would love to get it back to its original owner, and it's George and Lorraine, Calvin's parents, you know? So, Marty's parents. Marty's parents. Yeah, yeah Calvin. Cal- Calvin. I mean, I was calling him Calvin, ironically, I, because I couldn't think of Marty's name, but I knew that that wasn't his real <laughs> name. Joey, I didn't know you were in town on Back to the Future Day, but we were at Alamo seeing the movie that day. Oh, cool. He says, we weren't downtown, which is probably where you saw the DeLorean. Actually, I wasn't. I think I saw it on, like, Barton Springs, which is going to be something that doesn't mean anything except to Wes. Cool. It was, you know, near South Lamar. It might not have been Barton Springs, but it was a road leaving from South Lamar to get back to 35. So, Wes, take that for what it will. We were at Lakeline, which is the way north one, which is near where they live, sort of. But they started all the screenings at the same time, so when Doc, Marty, and Jennifer land in the future, land in the future, our real date and time lined up with the date and time on the DeLorean time circuits. Uh, That's very cool. Such a silly detail, but still very cool. Very cool. Mrs. West dressed up as 2015, quote, spy Marty for the movie, and the week before that, she was out of town. So I surprised her and built her a hoverboard replica to carry around. Oh, so it's cool. hanging up in our front room right now. And incidentally, I think the DeLorean you might have seen belonged to Ernest Klein, author of Ready Player One. He drives it around the parks at Alamo occasionally for photo ops and stuff. Actually, I thought about that when I mentioned that story. That's I know that he cool. was there was a documentary that I think Microsoft funded about all those ET Atari cartridges that they built that buried in the desert. Yes. And he drove yes. the he drove his DeLorean to the burial site so i know he has one but that's very cool that's really cool yeah says i've also been thinking about how time travel might be introduced into the fast and furious franchise if i'm being honest as much as i love time travel as a plot device i think i would hate it showing up in fast and furious just because it doesn't really fit the feel of the movies but it's fun to consider for a non-canon story along these lines though and this might be controversial i'm one of the few people who does not want to see them go to space that seems like the ultimate not even fan service but meme service move which actually is fair like it's why i hate what nicholas cage is becoming right yes whole, yeah. like empire i've built based on my love for him it's like guy what are you doing like you're falling into the memes yeah 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 i i agree I laugh, and we always make jokes that they're going to go to space, but if they did go to space, it would be pretty tasteless. I think it'd be great. I mean, like, I, I, as long as it's fun and it feels like, as long as they don't build a movie around that just to build the movie around it, as long as it feels organic and they do a good job with it, I'm okay with it. But if they never go, I'm also okay with that. I think... I just, I think that the, the optimal thing, like we've said before, is they need to reference, like, them, oh, we should go to space, and then, like, Vin being like, no. Dom just being like, absolutely, we're not going to space. And like, just like to make the joke in the movie. And I think that that's like, as far as I actually want them to go as of right now, like if they did it and they did it really well, I'd be stoked for it. But that's what I'm thinking for now. Yeah, I think so. I think that's, I think that's a good, I don't know if middle ground is the right term, but makes sense. Maybe I could see Hobbs and Shaw there because it's already taking a much more sci-fi direction. But to me, space feels like a step too far. I know that probably sounds silly in a franchise like this, but it feels like once things started escalating, that was the first joke suggestion from people. Like, quote, these movies are so crazy, they'll probably end up in space. It's right up there for me with the idea of 10 being called Fast 10 Your Seatbelts. That's (laughs) a joke that I am extremely over. I think in either case... 
It feels like we're pushing more into the parody genre. We're going from Scream to Scary Movie or none of their fast movie. There's no sincerity to these suggestions. Sincerity in the insanity is the lifeblood of this franchise. That's not to say I would immediately write off a trip to space. I would give them the benefit of the doubt they've earned that much. I agree. Like, if they did it, I wouldn't say, like, oh, I'm not watching this movie. But at the same time, like... I'm, I'm sure that they could do it right, and they could do it really bad. Honestly, though, calling it Fast 10 Furious is not a bad idea, however they want to stylize it. That would keep them... Mm. That would keep with their very confusing naming convention. <laughs> says, all right, that's it for this week. It was a fun one. I look forward to some new movies next week. Until then, stay furious. Wes. Well, we also talked about that, like, when we got the the nice thing that I still have here from Liam, it's only in America do they give them these stupid names. Everywhere else, it's well, just is like... is it only in America, or is it just, like... Because the UK... They were all, like, Fast and Furious 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, I know, 6. but I'm trying to think, like, if, if the UK is the weird one or we're the weird one. But also, the movies we're are the made weird here one. and they're predominantly marketed to here, right? So, yeah. Next email from Wes again. He says, re-Back to the Future. While I'm thinking about it, I found a couple pics on Mrs. Wes's Instagram. The first mm. is her tattoo that she got on Back to the Future day before we went to the movie. We took see. this outside the McFly house in Pasadena, California. We were in L.A. for her brother's wedding, and we made time to go to a bunch of Back to the Future shooting locations and a few Fast and Furious locations. This is very, very cool. Don't tell Mrs. West. I don't remember the quote that is here that says, if you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything. I do not remember that in the Back to the Future at all. And then that's the flux capacitor below it, I believe, Yeah, right? the flux capacitor, yeah, for sure. But, like, the, the quote, I just... It's a beautiful quote. I love it. I just... When I saw it, I was like, I do not remember that in Back to the Future. But I also, you know, have drug-induced ADD, so I probably just missed it. He says, the second is her in her costume with the hoverboard I made. Oh, that is so cool. Yeah. Wes is so crafty. This looks like this could be, like, a wooden hoverboard. Like, he, like, painted it. You know what I mean? Like, they're both, like, so crafty, so. There's another picture. So he says, the the next email is, okay, last pictures. These are our Back to the Future walls and the Cuddy Sark article Emily found at an antique store. So here's the first one. This is, they did a, it's a three, I think it's a three piece Mondo print of the car. It's so cool. One, two, and three. Oh my God, um, that's hoverboard awesome. Hoverboard above it. Yeah, so it's it's all three movie posters, like Back to the Future 1, 2, and 3, and when you put them together, it makes the whole DeLorean. That's really fucking cool. Then there's the advertisement, the advert for Cuddy Sark, um, which is a Back to the Future-themed advertisement for the liquor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then there is the close-up on the text from that poster. Okay. And it says, John DeLorean was on the way to the presidency of General Motors when he quit to build his own car company. In the 17 years <laughs> with GM, he helped quadruple Pontiac sales, built Chevy into a $3 million seller. A $3 million seller was awarded 44 automotive patents, while his bosses railed at him for wearing his hair too long. Now, mm. his stainless steel DeLorean sports car is here, designed to last 20 years rust-free, and the first year's production is sold out. John DeLorean anticipates the needs and wants of car buyers. He does no less for the scotch drinkers he invites home. Mm. That's why he selects and serves the impeccably smooth Cuddy Sark. So I like that Wes is like, nah, it'd be a sellout. It'd be a weird meme move if, you know, Fast and Furious went to space. But it's like, hey, we're using your movie to sell scotch. This is cool enough to hang up on my wall. I also like how I like how positive it is about John DeLorean because it came out before like the company tanked. Nobody really bought these cars. Like like it's so po- like he's gonna like he was gonna be the CEO of GM, but he left to start this new cool thing, and it's like that failed miserably. 
Yeah. I like this picture, though. I'm, and then one more picture, really cool. and this is, it's, I like that you can see Wes and Mrs. Wes in the picture in the reflection. This is the, another Mondo print that I actually have hanging up right now. It's the Reflector, oh, Refractor, too? DeLorean car. There's also the Doc and Marty figures in both, you know, like G.I. Joe forum sort of, and like the more kind of mm-hmm. like pop vinyl pop, sort of, but Funko blocky. Pop. It's kind of like Minecraft Funko Pop sort of. There's got yeah. some, you know, different, there's the Cuddy Star cloak, you know, from afar, the out of time license plate, newspapers from the movies. Mm-hmm. Very, very cool. It's Wes, very I will cool. say, I'm not going to put these on social media until you give us the okay, but if you want to share these with our listeners, if you want, just tweet at us and we'll retweet it, but I don't want to put these up there because they're like, they're of your home, so. Yeah, true. Yeah, I don't so wanna if you want to share, if you want us to be, if you want people to know about them, let us know. We'll, we'll retweet. For sure. And that's all the mailbag for today, so thank you also very much for writing. I think it was four or five different people. Family at cageclub.me, shoot in your notes about whatever. Just say hi. You know, we're doing this twice a week. Just say hi. We always love hearing from everybody. True, we do. On the streets. So I have a news thing that I did not post because it's kind of clickbaity, but I want to talk about this because I actually did not read it yet. So on the website, indie100.com, which is from The Independent, science has finally discovered which Fast and the Furious film is the, quote, most fast and the most furious. Oh, so this is kind of like our... um... Our buddy Kim Basine's... The Stats of the Furious. The Stats of the Furious. Okay, okay. I like it. So, spoilers here. Fast and Furious 6 is apparently the most Fast and Furious film in the franchise, according to extensive research by a Reddit user. 37-year-old movie writer Mark Hoffmeyer ranked the nine existing Fast and Furious films, including Hobbs and Shaw, in 28 categories to draw his conclusion, including racing time, time spent talking about cars, and the number of gear shifts. Oh. The action movie franchise is notoriously formulaic, Get out of here. With car chases, gunshots, and explosions in every installment, but it's an undeniable method that has seen the series become one of the most profitable in movie history. In a Reddit post upvoted almost 15,000 times, Hoymeyer wrote, In honor of Fast 9's original release date, I decided to see which Fast fast movie is the most Fast and Furious. Basically, I wanted to know which of the Fast films is the most racist, fights, Nas, Corona, barbecue, property destruction, gratuitous body shots, and mentions of family. I ranked each of the installments 1 to 9 according to where they place in each category. So it's like golf lower number is better. Yeah. For instance, Tokyo Drift features over 15 minutes of racing, so it got the top score of one for driving, while Hobbs and Shaw had no race, so it got the worst score of 19. Mm. 19 or 9? Probably 9. 9. By this slightly convoluted metric, Fast and Furious 6 was crowned the most classic film of the franchise, followed by 7 and then 2. Hoffmeyer or Hoffmeyer, Indie 100, get your shit together. This is so many typos. No editor, yeah. A 37-year-old movie fanatic from Atlanta, Georgia, even though he said honor with a U, I thought he would have been British, who knows, said that rewatching all the movies to compile the data never felt like work because he loves the films. We gotta reach out to this guy if I can find him on Twitter. I love how the franchise has evolved from a scrappy Point Break-esque story into blockbuster films. I love the international cast and the focus on family. Yeah. He's written about four on some of the less obvious tropes of the films, including the character's fondness for throwing barbecues and swigging Coronas. Those are less obvious? <laughs> They're pretty obvious, but yes. Fucking whatever. His full rankings of fastness and furiousness in the Fast and Furious films is as follows. So from the bottom up. Okay. Ninth place. Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw, 130 points. Dead last. Wow. Number eight, Tokyo Drift, 113 points. Ugh. Okay. Number seven, The, uh, the Fate of the Furious, 106 points. Okay. Number six, Fast and Furious, number four. 102 points. Okay. Number five, Fast Five, 99 points. Damn, okay. Number four, the original, The Fast and the Furious, 92 points. Okay. Number three, Too Fast, 88 points. Number two, just ahead of it, Furious 7 with 87 points. And number one, clear winner, 
with 79 points, Fast and Furious 6. Damn. Yeah, that's very cool. I like that a lot. When we did Zack Attack, remember we had like, how is he going to be shirtless? How is he going to dance? How is he going to cry? Whatever we were doing. Yes. All the different Zeph things. Yes. And then that girl wrote in and she was like, I'm doing my thesis statement on these like, or these, this, my thesis paper for, you know, for college on these like 15 metrics were like, like, okay. Like, so this feels like what we're doing, but like even more scientific. Like, yes. It's just, yeah. We're, what we're doing, but bigger and better. Yeah. Just like when Kim was doing all the stats, right? Like same yeah. thing. Very, very cool. So very thank cool. you to Indy 100. Please edit your shit. But <laughs> uh, thank you to John Hoff, Mark Hoffmeyer or Hoymeyer, depending on, you know, which entry in this post you want to read. But it's very cool. I saw that. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. I like that. That is really cool. Yeah, that was a good share. Thanks, bud. Also, as we talked about, the video game is now coming out in August, August 7th, I believe. So that's coming soon. But is there anything else that you've seen since we last recorded? Because I don't think there's anything no. else on my plate. No, nothing. Nothing that I've seen. There actually is a bit for Rock the Vote. Joe Rogan, once again, says he wants Dwayne Johnson for president. Quote, I'm all in for The Rock. That's cool. And last night we were watching some... Rachel loves The Rock, and she wanted to watch some Rock wrestling, like, clips, right? Not, like, the actual wrestling, but, like, the promo shots. It was really cool to, like, remember all of these storylines and things like that and to see him, you know? And, and, like, there's such, like, a formula to it, right? Like, he's so charismatic, and it's perfect, but, like, you know, turn it sideways, stick it up your, straight up your candy ass. And, like, when we were watching them, I was just dying, so it was fun. Yeah, I was just thinking about The Rock last night, actually. If you have news that we have not shared, uh, email family at cageclub.me. We'd be happy to read it on air if we missed anything. True. Um, But, Joe, one more thing. The Fast and the Furious Minute. Minute 64. A minute I called The House of Tran. I think you should call it The House of Tran East. (laughs) So I'm not going to put the audio in this. Actually, so the next episode, the episode that we just did on Midnight Run, as we record this, is not out yet. So you have not heard this yet, but I did not drop the audio in. Because it's just debonair. it's just debonair. And this is just debonair with the slap. So again, I'm not going to put it in here. Know that there's debonair and know that there's the slap. Yeah. So in this minute... The tactical team takes down Lance and his associates at the new Saigon Mall. Yep. Four more cops enter from the rear to take down Lance as three men look on. Both men Lance are eating with are arrested by the men who entered last minute. Meanwhile, Brian, Tanner, Bilkins, Muse, and the rest of the team break into Johnny Tran's family home and arrest him during dinner. Mm-hmm. We see four SUVs plus a police cruiser all filled with cops approach. There are at least 18 cops hmm. taking in this house. Yes. Johnny's family of 10 is eating dinner. Brian nervously looks on, overseeing the operation. Tanner enters with a warrant, raise in the air. Johnny Tran's presumed father? We don't know for sure, I don't think, yet. But yeah, Backhand slaps him as Johnny gets arrested. And Tanner cracks an ever-so-faint smile as the minute ends. But he does. I think later, like when we're at Race Force, he was like, Cops bust into my house, bust into my dad's house, and disrespect my family. This is like the I never narked on nobody scene, right? Yeah, because I was wondering um, but it's, it's the definitely relations here and like who lives here. Does Johnny live with his family? Does Johnny have his own place? We'll find out. I mean, or we won't. Or we, won't. <laughs> or we will not, yes. But I do want to say, and this is not something I really want to go in depth on, but considering what's going on in the world right now, there was some like graphic imagery in this minute that I was like, I don't, how can I not escape from this? Uh, you mean like police brutality? The one cop choke slamming Lance, putting his knee on his neck and putting a gun in his mouth. Yeah, yeah, that's true. There's no way around it. It's that's like the I mean. thing that's happening and that's what happened. And this is just like, holy shit. Like it's been, it's always been happening. Like if they're yep. doing this in a movie it's like again like i saw a tweet that was like if, if cops will do this while they're being filmed what are they not what's not being caught on film you know what i mean like yes 
And like to use this as part of a plot device in a film is interesting. It's, it's common enough for this to happen. Yes, that like oh like let's make it look believable. Let's do this. And Jesus it's Christ. something grotesque, yes. Yeah. In a lighter note, though, I want to talk about Johnny Tran's neighborhood. They're all very similar houses, all massive houses. Your sources have told you that the address of Johnny Tran's house is different than the address that I found for Johnny Tran's house. So we have conflicting Well, it's on addresses. Tanopa Court one way or the other, right? Yes, it is. Definitely up that like private drive, for sure. It's in a gated community. It is in a gated community, and Google Maps doesn't let you actually go there in the car. I also want to say that it, it, the view from the front steps that we see at the Incredible. end of the minute here is breathtaking. It overlooks Chumash Park, C-H-U-M-A-S-H Park, which is like this whole, like, if you look at Google Maps, there's like this gated community of houses, like, you know, just a development, and there's this gigantic park right there that it just, you like look, basically like looking over the edge of the world. Like, it's it's great. Can you imagine opening your door and seeing that every day? Uh, No, because I'm not rich, so. Yeah, true, true. (laughs) If we were rich, then maybe I would be inclined to be like, yeah, I can imagine seeing that. I mean, you know, when we own the house across the street from 1327, we'll have that view every day. It won't be this view, that's for sure. It's a better view. Better, definitely a better view. I want to know, so, okay, so it looks like, and we don't really see it, but it seems like the only person arrested at the house is Johnny. Do you agree with that? I agree with that, because nobody else seems like none of his crew are there. He's eating dinner with his family, right? Right. So now there's two questions I have here. Are the cops there just more discerning? Or are we led to believe that the two guys Lance is eating lunch with are also criminals? Because they, they weren't, like, everybody in the biker gang that shows up whenever Johnny and Lance go anywhere, they're all, like, thin young dudes. And these are, like, just older dudes. But they get arrested, they're too. They're not that much older. They're just, like, chubby. But they're older and they're heavy set. Like, they're not in, like, we don't see them in the crew. That's what I'm saying. Like, we have not seen these guys in the movie yet. No. Like, even in the background, they've not been True. in the movie yet. So I don't know why they're getting arrested if these cops are just, like, more hungry to, like, arrest people or if they're known associates that we don't know about It's yet, more but plausible like... that they're known associates, in my opinion. Sure. They're dressed the same. They're hanging out with him. They might be a little bit older, but they're not, like, distinctively older. They're not, like, you know, it's definitely not like they confused his dad and his uncle. Like, these could, these these look like they could be associates of him. Yeah, because it just feels like they're going for Johnny and Lance. And it also feels like we, we're talking about how many times, like, how many cops there were. And, like, it seems like they sent eight to take down Lance and the other 18 or whatever to take down Johnny. And I guess they're not getting anybody else. They're just taking, like, you know, cutting off the head of the Hydra, essentially. Yeah, yeah. Again, 18 takedown in a house, it uh, seems like a lot to arrest one With your one family man, around? He... It's not like he's going to like hold them hostage. There's much more dangerous situation in the mall, right? It's more of a loose space. He could have a gun. Like, Johnny Tran's not going to like pull a gun on the cops in front of his dad or like you know grab one of his nieces and put a gun to her head yeah. in a standoff. So I agree. It's it's a little it's a little excessive for the house arrest, for sure. All of it seems excessive. It, 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 the yes. whole... It's all excess. Also to the point, we're going to find that in a couple of minutes or a handful of minutes or whatever, everything Johnny was doing was legal. He had the paperwork for everything. So yep. not that he's not committing crimes, but the things that they're arresting him for, they think they're arresting him for, he didn't Are do. So like, yeah. you know, blowing taxpayer money on this stuff, right? Hey. So I'm thinking, you know, possibly, and we can get into the details of the house, but one thing you noted, one thing that I noted too, is that there are the 10 members of the Tran family, whether they're all blood or they're just, you know, extended family or whatever. Yes. 10 eating dinner could be the trivia question, but Johnny and presumably his father at the heads of the table. So even though Johnny is younger than most of the people at the table, he's already seen as like a head of household. Yeah, he has the alternate 
head spot opposite his father but that i did notice that too and i thought that was very cool that he's like the other head of the family i like that so what did you also you notice about the house or if there's anything in the new saigon mall worth pointing out the fun funny things that i noticed while watching this there's like a very very short stool at the new saigon mall that like i don't know who or what this stool is for it's like 10 inches maybe off the ground and i'm like are you supposed to sit on that is that like for standing why do they have this? There's nothing hung high. You could just have a little ladder. I don't get it, but there's a very tiny stool. So there's a possibility that that stool is for, like, a woman's purse. A what? So when we went to the Chinese restaurant uh, in Las Vegas, that was the Michelin okay. star, like, the best yes. Chinese food I've ever had. Yeah. They brought little stools to put the bag on because it's, like, a sign of disrespect or sign of respect or whatever. It's a sign of respect that they want to keep your bag off the floor. And so they'll That's bring around, like, basically little chairs. I don't know that – because this just looks like a footstool. Like, it doesn't look yes. like anything special. But it could be in Asian culture and Asian – the hospitality – era phase yes. you know hospitality wave industry. idea whatever industry that it's just there to make sure that you know if there's a woman there it, and it's a food court like it might not be but it feels like there might still be the hey let me take care of that so you don't have to put your bag on the floor we'll put a little stool here Very so that it might be i don't know if it is or not but it could be it's a it's a it's a good theory i mean we can run with it i'm i don't have any problems with that it's it's well founded you have you have evidence that's cool there's something funnier and more notice, more noteworthy about the house that you uh, that i cut you off by saying yes so there's a for sale sign in the front yard of the house which would lend us to believe that like you know again they found another house that was for sale to shoot in because it's easier to shoot in a house that's for sale than it is that's, that's occupied right so 100% and plus you can decorate like the main hallway. They have to decorate like a room, the hallway, and like maybe like a little bit of another room that you can kind of see. Like they're not, we're not there enough. Exactly. And did you notice that like Johnny Tran's house is like kind of bare? Like there's not like many pictures or things. There's like that one like red tapestry over the table, and then there's some plants and like a little like buffet style setup that has like you know a bowl of fruit, another Buddha head, and some lamps and stuff. But like. It's not really decorated as if you're in, like, an actual house. There's not, like, pictures on every wall, all this kind of stuff that you would normally see in a house that's lived in. Maybe in the world of the movie, they are selling their house, and they've, mo- they've moved out most of their things. This is one of the final meals that they're having in the house. If In that case, then let's go buy it so we can watch that delightful view every morning. I mean, this this house has got to be, like, $5 million or more, maybe $8 million. I mean, it's yeah, California. It's... it's a gated community. It's got that view. Yeah. It's right next to a giant park that you can hike through. Like, um, I mean, it also would make sense why you noted that there's the two mismatched chairs in the dining room. If they're just in the process of moving, you know, ah, they just have whatever chairs are there, right? Very true. Let me look up Zillow. I want to see like what the average house costs are in Simi Valley. Maybe we call the House of Tran is for sale. I like that. Simi Valley, California. Let's look up how much houses are here. I mean, we can just look up the address on Zillow, right? It looks like most of the houses here are like half a mil, dude. Or like seven fifty at the most. Oh, wow. Yeah, this was sold on May 31st, 2017 for, for $689,000. Wow. That's a lot better than I would assume. Like some fucker just bought it three years ago. God damn it, we blew our shot. We could live in Johnny Tran's house. Let's see, pricing tax history. Oh, wow, okay, so it was sold in October 99. It was sold then in December 2000, which is actually probably when, I mean, this is the 5777. Hold on. So what was the other one that we, that you, what was the other 5765? I think, let me see, 5765. Which one is real? Can you tell from the outside? 5765 is off market. 
price tax history. It was well, sold it's in not November ninety nine. I think I'm guessing the one that I found, the fifty seven seventy seven, because if it was sold in December two thousand, probably when they were shooting this movie. Yeah, that would make perfect. sense. That's what I was saying. Like that makes perfect sense, dude. You said five seven seven seven, like five triple seven. That's that's what I one. found. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you look through like the pictures on the inside and stuff? I mean, it looks. I mean, they all look the same, right? It looks more modern. It looks modernized. I don't know actually. I don't know if this is the house or not. That's what I'm saying. Ah, uh... because the pictures in Zillow, like you would, you would see as part of the White Cloud Estates. Um, you would see like the if this was the house with the view down outside, right? Like you would. No, see the that stairs view. are wrong, dude. The stairs are completely wrong. I know, but fifty-seven sixty-five is not. You can't. There's no pictures of that. Okay, so I don't think it, it, the real answer. It might be neither of these, to be honest. As much as we had evidence that it it might have been the seven seven seven, it's definitely on the street. I don't think that it's. I don't think that it's this one because the stairs are so different. You wouldn't like change the stairs like where they are in the house, you know? Because the stairs are in a completely opposite side of the house. So what's weird is that it feels like, and I would imagine, all these houses, especially like in a row, are essentially the same inside. They might be mirrored. No. It's not going to be like a wildly different interior, same. I don't think. They're close, but they're not exactly the same. No, but I mean, like, in a development, you're going to have, like, two or three, like, slight variations. You're not going to have, like, wildly different interiors. And I feel like the stairs that we That's see fair. are wildly different from the stairs that we see here. Mm-hmm. So, like, they might, that, that entryway might have been a different area? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think so, though. Because, I mean, it's not even just a matter of the redec. Like, I agree with you. It's not a matter of redecorating. It feels like these stairs that we see in these pictures, and the Fast and Furious Minute document, I linked to the Zillow, which has the pictures, that it feels like it's completely, like, he's in the wrong, ang- it's the wrong direction, it's the wrong style, it's the wrong everything. So, mm-hmm. it could be 5765, but there's no... Sale There's information no pictures there. It's, 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 yeah, it hasn't been listed in, like, 11 years or something, or 12 years or something, so, I don't know. Or maybe the for sale sign is in front of the other house, but, th- but like we said, you know, the theory they would probably shoot in a house that was for sale because it's easier. Right. I mean, to they were up. both sold in 99, 2000. Yeah, yeah. 57, 77 was sold in both 99 and 2000. 57, 65 was sold in 99. Again, internet is weird and creepy and cool. Yeah, the internet's a weird place, man. Anything else that you wanted to note in this minute, in minute 64? You said this, I guess we should talk about that you were worried about this minute, and I said it's actually not that bad. The last minute was way more difficult. Yeah, I, I guess I was just, I was so, like, shell-shocked from the last one that, like, I thought that it continued on into the Johnny Tran household, but this one's a lot more contained. Like, they show you different angles of things, but it's not, like, all different places. Like, the last one was much more aggressive. I agree. So any other notes, anything else that you want to point out about this before we do the trivia question? No, go for it. You got any ideas? I'm just thinking how many people are eating dinner with Johnny Tran when he's arrested. I think that that's the most logical one. Yep. Including Johnny. How How many many people people? are seated at the dinner table? And we could say... Eight. Eight, ten, twelve. Six. Six, eight, ten, twelve? Yes. That's perfect. So including Johnny, how many people are seated at the dining room table when he is arrested? Six, eight, ten, or twelve? And the answer is ten. Yes, it is. Um, Let's take a quick break. Let's hear another word from our sponsor, Audi. And we'll talk about Ronin from 97, Ronin, 
This episode is brought to you by Audi, the S8. When you need something very fast and something that can shove a little bit, Audi. Thank you, Audi. Thank you, Audi. So this is the second De Niro movie, and I was saying to you that when I was doing my initial IMDb trivia research before I started the movie, I was like, oh, this one makes more sense, because the top two bits of trivia, and I didn't read them too closely, was like, to make it look like De Niro and Natasha McElhone were actually driving, dot, 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 and a total of 80 automobiles were destroyed during filming, I was like, okay, yeah. we got a car movie. Like, it's not we like do. Midnight Run, we got a car movie here. Yes, we definitely do. For those who have not seen this, this is a heist movie in which De Niro and a gang of thieves are hired, heist guys, Mm -hmm. are hired to steal a case from this guy. It kind of becomes, that's not what the movie is kind of about, Um, but it's a heist that sort of goes wrong. I'm going to need some help from you with this one. Because, yeah. like, I watched it, we, we need to talk through the actual plot, and I need to hear your take on it. And I, I kind of need to, like, you know, explain like I'm five to me. So what did you think of the movie with that in mind, with not quite fully understanding this? What were your initial takes? Did you like it? Did you love it? Did you not like it? Where do you fall on the spectrum? I found it pretty enjoyable. Definitely not my favorite, like, in my favorites of this lap. Mm-hmm. I'm not disappointed that I watched it. I definitely liked it. I thought that there was really good, the car chase scenes were a lot of fun. I mm-hmm. liked all the heisty elements of it. But there was a part in the middle where he got, like, shot and then has to, like, operate on himself. Immediately after that, like, the, the following, like, 15 minutes of the movie, I just was lost. Like, I just, like... I just zoned out. I don't know why it just wasn't, it didn't draw me in like the rest of it. Like the beginning starts out great. The car chases are great. The end was good. I really liked that part, but that like middle part right there, I kind of got like lost in there. And I don't know if I was missing things or what was happening, but I kind of like fell flat there. I wouldn't say that I was loving the movie, but I was really, really liking the movie. I think the beginning is great. Them planning the heist is great. It's all the kind of things that Rick and Morty made fun of in the heist episode. It's all the kind of, you know, all the, all that stuff. But it's all the stuff, it scratches that itch for me. Yes. They're pulling the job. They get double cross. I'm all yep. into it. Yep. There's the car chase. It's amazing. Yep. And then there's like 30 minutes left in the movie. I was like, why Why? Why is there so Same. much movie left? <laughs> exactly. And then the entire third act, I kind of hated. Oh, really? The twist of the movie is that one of the guys on their team betrays them and steals the case. We never find out what's in the case. It's kind of like the suitcase in Pulp Fiction. We don't really know. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. The the case is not important. Stellan Skarsgård, who is kind of the tech guy on the team, steals the case and gets away. Well, they they steal the case and he switches the case is what happens. So he steals the case from them after they steal the case from the Russians or from the guys that are buying it from the Russians or whatever, right? Yes, yes. Because it gets accelerated because the Russians get involved. They want to buy the case. Who knows what's in the case? But they do the switcheroo. Yep. Then we find out that Natasha McElhone is who's their, you know, the leader, kind of the, you know, the old guy in Reservoir Dogs, basically, kind of corralling this, like, herding this group of cats, Yep, is actually a villain. And she was, you know, hired by Jonathan Price, who was the actual bad guy. Sheamus. And she and Stellan Skateboard, Stellar Skateboard, Stellan Skarsgård, working for him. But, like, he's kind of abusive and aggressive and, like, beats the shit out of Stellan Stella Skarsgård. But then we find out in the end... After there's this whole, like, Russian subplot and this, like, mm-hmm. where they go to this, like, they're, like, where, like, the Russians, the Russians are the key to this whole thing. There's, like, ice skating, and then there's this, like, figure skater, and we go there, and then the figure skater gets shot, but I'm, like, there's no reason for us to care about her or the Russian guy, because they're not our we heroes. Saw, we saw them once on a phone call in the, like, middle of the movie. 
Exactly. And so, like, you're... So I, I feel bad to a certain extent for the figure skater because she's an innocent. She was not involved and she got nope. shot by Natasha McElhone. We don't give a shit about them. Like, that's supposed to be like this whole, like, crazy third act. And then we find out, after they have, like, a brief thing mentioned in the middle, that this wasn't about the case at all, that De Niro is, on the, is a CIA agent who was yep. sent in to assassinate... Jonathan Price, who's this guy Seamus, who's the one who hired Deirdre, to yes. then create peace in Northern Ireland. And I was like, fuck, what the fuck? No. Like, what? No. <laughs> yep. The whole heist was irrelevant. It just wanted, they wanted to get the case in the right hand so he could kill this guy. And then that leads to peace in Northern Ireland. And I was like, what? Yeah. And the other guy, the French guy, that's the other actor, right? Jean Renault. Yes. He is not a CIA agent. He's actually brought in to be part of this heist, right? Correct. And I don't think he knows that he's... I think by the end he knows, because there's the other English guy that De Niro goes to in the middle of the movie who is like, you know, I had a high school, friend from high school or whatever. He might be from another... Like, he might be, you know, Interpol or something, right? Because like, it or feels spy. like he's like, a guy I know from high school, right? Like, he's another agent, and he kind yes. of backs away. Like, De Niro has to knock the guy out. He's like, I, could, I don't have the stomach for it. And, like, they're not actually friends from high school, but like, he knows him somehow, right? Yeah. And so there might be, like, a tag team brought in for this thing the movie was so cool for like two-thirds of it and then i'm just like mm-hmm. what yeah okay cool basically after so okay if you want to watch this movie after the car chase happens just stop the, like you just stop the movie just pretend that it ends there because yeah like, the car chase with the peugeot the second car chase with the peugeot the bmw after that car chase just stop it and yeah. there's no chaos that is really hard to understand. The car chase is really cool, and there's like a Very lot where they're cool. going through tunnels and driving across, like against traffic, and you know, mm-hmm. Natasha McElhone is driving and De Niro is following her, and it's all very cool. And like, that's very cool in a good movie. The trivia about them. To make it look like they were actually driving, they used right-hand drive cars where the passenger side was made to mirror the real controls. So they actually had somebody else driving the car, but they just had them, like, in basically the passenger seat, pretending that they were driving. That made me even more impressed. Like, we just finished, or we're in the process of finishing Cruise Club, and, like, Tom Cruise doing all of his stunts and driving all those cars, and, like, Simon Pegg driving all his cars. Mm -hmm. When there's an action scene where you actually see the actor driving, it makes, like, it's already amazing. And a movie, like, this where it's like this is a really cool car chase but like we never actually see them doing anything it's like oh like it's movie magic which i get it's cool but like seeing tom cruise actually like risk his life to a certain extent to like get a stunt it's like holy this is even better now yeah that's cool but i do like the tactic of them using right hand drive cars and then just putting a setup in the driver or passenger seat whatever you subscribe to the non-actual driving seat and, like, shooting it there. That's actually a really cool thing. I like that a lot. But I feel like they don't even take advantage of that, really, because, like, no. there's not a lot of scenes where we see De Niro in the car and the car is moving. Like, a lot of it is, we like, do. During close that up on him. No, but I was I was paying attention. If you watch it again, it doesn't look like he's actually driving that car. Mm, okay. There's fair. one shot where they're going around a roundabout, and he's kind of going slow that you see it. But for the most part, like, it's just, you see the car. Like, he's driving, but, like, it's a locked thing. We can't really see outside the car. And then we see the car externally, but you can't see through the windshield. And it's, like, like that for both of them and they're both doing a fine job of driving the car when we see them but we don't actually see them like from the outside where you can see through the windshield and see them driving and like yeah it's believable until you think about the movie magic of it all then it's just like oh all right, all right it's not 
it's not as exciting as I ho- kind of hoped it would be. And it is a really cool car chase. Like, it's a long car chase. It's long, It's an yeah. exciting one. There's good stunts and stuff. It ends with her, you know... Lots of explosions. off a bridge. Right? They do big explosions in these movies. Yeah. And, like, wacky shit drives happens. through an explosion. Drives through one. That car falls off the, like, car carrier going on there. Yeah, there's some wild stuff that happens here. The team that they hire... So, Natasha McElhone, who is the leader, Deirdre, basically the only woman in this movie. Yep. I know her from... She played David Duchovny's wife in Californication or ex-wife. So familiar. Yeah, and Rachel said that, and and like I know her from something that's not Californication and not the other thing that she was in. She's English. She has got an Irish accent here, which I think is good. You know, in Californication, she's got like a kind of a weird American accent, and I was like, I never took the time to look her up, but I was just like, something weird about that. Learned because it's she's English. Like that's just you know her just an American accent. We've also got Sean Bean, who does not die, as far as I know, in this movie. Do you know Sean Bean? Yes, from Lord of the Rings. In this movie, he's the gun guy. He's from Lord yep. of the Rings. He's Ned Stark in Game of Thrones. That's true, his yes. his thing in movies is he's died in, like, 21 movies, or 23 movies. Ah. He dies all the time. He's actually started turning down roles in movies where he dies because he wants to stop dying in movies. I expected him to die. As soon as he showed up, I was like, oh, he's going to die in the heist. He doesn't die in the heist. <laughs> he doesn't. So I'm glad you brought him up. Because it takes me to the point that I was that I messaged you about, but I haven't told you about yet. Oh, the laughing, Rachel laughing. There was a scene in this movie where Rachel laughed so hard for like five full minutes. She was so hysterically laughing at this. Sean Bean gets called out for being a clown, essentially, right? They kind of pose it like he might be a double agent, and he's not. He might be going against the team. He's lying about something. De Niro kind of finds out because he asks him. He, he establishes that he's a soldier, and De Niro's like, what's the color of the boathouse on the base or something? And he doesn't know the color of it. And so they find out that he's lying, and then De Niro, like, they, they kind of, like, force him out of the crew, right? They, like, you know, put the Audi together, and they're getting ready to do the heist, the leader, the woman, says, like, okay, like, I guess you know that, like, you're done here, right? Like, we don't need you anymore because you're lying. So he's like, yeah, fine. So they get rid of him, and then they show a shot of a city, and it's Nice, right? Mm-hmm. And, and we <laughs> And, like, so they get rid of Sean Bean, and then they just show this, like, scene, and it just says, nice, on the bottom of it. And I just, like, see it on the TV, and I'm like, nice. And she just, like, starts losing it. We got rid of him. Like, he's gone now. Nice. <laughs> That's it. That's just like... I was trying to think, like, because there's nothing in this movie. There's nothing there, funny. One thing, one thing in the movie made me laugh, and it's actually related to that. And I, I didn't think it was, like, that funny. But, like, the Nero does the whole thing, like, what color's the boathouse? What color's the boathouse? And he's like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And he, like, he leaves the room or whatever. Somebody, maybe Stellar, Stellan Skarsgård says, well, what color is the boathouse? And he goes... How the fuck should I know? Like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I, I laughed. I thought that was funny, but I'm like, that's not like laugh out loud for five minutes funny. So then when you started to say like the, it's about when he grills him, I was like, is that like, does she like love no. that? I'm like that feels like a stretch, <laughs> but like that, it makes more sense. I mean, I didn't, I didn't think about that, but yeah, yeah. it's just because they go to Nice and it just says it real big on the screen. And you're just like, nice. He's gone. Nice. <laughs> we found that really enjoyable. But on the note that you were just saying, I mm-hmm. think that the best part of this movie and what kept me really, really enjoying it, one, De Niro, obviously, 
And two, I really like his dialogue in this film. And I like that, like the jokes that you said, like, what the, how the fuck should I know what color the boathouse is? That's a friend from high school. The guy's like, what do you want for Christmas? He's like, my two front teeth. Like, it just seems like, I was telling Rachel when we were watching it, that you know how everybody says that, like, Michael Sarah always looks like he showed up to a movie, sh- shuffled into the movie. I feel like De Niro always feels so real like that, too. Especially in this one, like his lines are just like so genuine. Like, what do you want for Christmas? Oh, my two front teeth. And he just seems like a classic, like Italian wise guy responses for everything. And they just feel like so natural that he's like not even acting. It's just like that. That's what his response was, right? It's just like improv. He's a good actor. I mean, that's that's the end of Damn it, right? Good actor. Just, like, yeah. He's really good at what he does. He's believable. He sells that he's a th- like. I was trying to figure out like who everybody was in the crew, right? Because there's like yes, John Renault can get the cars. He's also he's Leon the professional. Like he's that movie's yep. great. Yep. Uh, Sean Bean can get guns. Stellan Skarsgård is maybe the tech guy. There's that guy Larry. Like there's basically like he's a the group driver. of people. Yeah, like but there's like everybody who like went on to become like pretty successful or really successful, right? And it's like yep. and then there's this guy named Skip. Seduth, who I don't have, like he doesn't even have a picture on Letterbox. He's in like a handful of movies. Who's He's that the guy? Driver. The Wheelman. I don't think they cast like a nobody because he dies. And maybe maybe he was like a star on the rise, which is weird that like everybody went on to do like at least one more really big thing. And then I was just like, I have no idea who this guy is. I mean, he yep. might do TV shows. I don't. I didn't look up on IMDb. I only looked on Letterbox. But I was like. I don't know who this guy is. I just thought it was kind of weird, but he is the driver. And I was like, who? Like, because De Niro is kind of like, kind of the leader, but he's not actually leading. And it turns out that he's just like, he's got the expertise. Like, he's just the guy who's done this before, basically. Yeah. So this movie was directed by John Frankenheimer, who did the original Manchurian Candidate. He did the the movie Reindeer Games with Ben Affleck and Charlie Theron, which is so bad it's good at times. Like, it's over the top and not a good movie, but it's fun bad movie people love that movie yeah he did the island of dr moreau which has this crazy backstory about richard stanley this director was brought in to make this movie then he got kicked off the set and he still snuck back on there's a whole documentary about richard stanley's like journey with that movie but this guy wound up directing that he also tied to this podcast directed the french connection 2 and a movie called grand prix so he's got some mm. car stuff in his blood so obviously cool he's good at that kind of thing and the screenplay the story was by this guy jd zeke Z-E-I-K, who, okay. as far as I can tell, has written nothing else of note. He also wrote the original version of the screenplay, but then they brought in David Mamet, who wrote Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, both the play and the great, movie. Great, And great, he also wrote movie. The Untouchables, and like he's like this, you know, literary guy, both film and play, film and stage, and they brought him in, he did like significant rewrites, and so they both got credit. So like, you can feel that kind of like crackly, kind of like wise guy sort of thing that he punched up and just like this it makes it feel more lived than real i think yeah yeah i also do want to point out that there is a movie that keanu reeves was in from 2013 called 47 ronin which is actually referenced in this movie the title ronin kind of makes sense when like you think that they've been betrayed and they're kind of i was gonna ask you this Uh, did you did you know what a ronin was when we started this well i did did because of the keanu movie okay but yeah a ronin is basically you know ronin were tasked to 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 protect their leader to to protect their no they're they're lost samurai well yeah but they were but they were originally they were just samurai to protect their liege or their lord or their whatever and then when the leader dies they are disgraced because they failed in their job to protect him so they become ronin and they must like roam the the wilderness like essentially trying to atone for their sins or whatever and then in history and the 47 ronin movie is kind of about this but not exactly and they've referenced it in here because the guy who like helps with the surgery is like building miniatures and he's like you know the 47 ronin all committed the ritual suicide seppuku right so yes 
title kind of makes sense because like De Niro and Jean Reno have been betrayed by their leader and they're you know without a without a leader they're just kind of lost samurai but then like when the movie isn't even about that I'm like oh this is not a great title like it's like <laughs> it was and then the movie turns and becomes what it becomes I'm like this is what yeah are there any major or minor fast connections that you noticed in this movie the huge hugest one for me and shout out to our sponsor at the beginning when they're talking about what car he wants this is wheel car like for the mm-hmm. wheel man and he's like i need an audi s8 something fast that can give a little shove and he also is like oh yeah and i'm gonna need not i like nitrous oxide too he's gonna need a nitrous system i'm like whoa yeah same and then later when they're fixing up the audi to get it ready there's a nos sticker on his toolbox i don't know if you noticed that or not i did not that's very cool yeah so there's like an actual nos sticker and like he says something about like he needs two two tanks of nos which is funny because brian gets two tanks right so so i was thinking those things the other obvious fascination is that they're stealing a briefcase, right? And that's what they kind of do with the cipher. Yeah, so there's actually a lot of things that I noticed that were very similar to Fate, which is convenient because our next movie that we're doing is Fate of the Furious. Yes. So they take down a case. They're looking for a case in a convoy, which is mm-hmm. what they had to do in Fate, mm-hmm. which is also what they do, we talked about, in the Italian job, the original. Yes. At the end, it's not, you know, ice in Russia, but there are Russians and there's an ice skating competition. Ooh, there's also someone with I didn't a get sniper rifle. Yes, sniper, yes. All the same things, so like, because, like, in Fate, there's the, you know, Tormund. Good point, the, yeah. The redhead guy, you know, Cypher's, yep. Chipper's yep. sniper is up with Dom on that ledge or whatever, right? Looking, overlooking ice about to kill people that, you know, ostensibly innocent. Very true. So it's like, there's a lot of Fate stuff a woman, here. A woman leader of the crew. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, just the Russians getting involved because, you know, that we wind up in Russia. Like, it just, there's a lot. I mean, for a movie that's not really at all super tied into the Fast and Furious, I was like, there's so many that are specifically about the next movie we're doing, which is just like a weird kind of perfect fortuitous coincidence. It was really crazy. I agree. And the more stuff, the the ice thing really got me. Wow. I didn't didn't even make that connection, though. But you're a thousand percent right. And we get, you know, Roman talking about he's trying to read the Russian on the thing. Yeah. So that makes sense. Yeah. This movie felt and again because i just did the cruise club episodes and we just did so many of the mission impossible but this feels way more mission impossible than fast and furious because like it's the the job i mean they're both pulling jobs or whatever but it's like the betrayal the double cross the like political aspirations the political leaning the embedded agents and stuff like that and you know when they're in the beginning when they're trying to get the case and things break bad like it's kind of the beginning of mission impossible fallout when they're like getting the plutonium cores, and it just felt very Mission Impossible to me, more so than Fast and Furious, but again, kind of, it's kind of like a weird love child of both, but more so, I think, you know, Cruz than Dom. In the third act, I was getting vibes of a different movie that I really, really love, for obvious reasons. You had just had on your action movie list, and I was getting a lot of sudden death vibes from it, because they were going through an ice skating rink, right? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, being in a stadium and, like, the guys in the special room in the back while the thing is going on. So I was feeling very sudden deathy about this one. There's actually another... Fate of the Furious connection that Jean Reno has the, what basically what Cypher has, which I feel like they're probably always having these movies, but I think Cypher utilizes it in a way, is he's got traffic light switch where it changes from red to green and green to red, so I thought that was pretty cool. Yes, which we also see in The Italian Job and Tej uses too, right? There's also and I kind of want to get into this, and I don't know that it ultimately matters, but it's something got in 60 seconds that Angelina Jolie bullshit 
also a little bit of Han and Giselle, but like when the cops are rolling by and like De Niro and McElhone are staking out wherever they're staking out, he's like cops and he just like leans over and they start making out like they're just like a couple making out on the side of the road. You know, he stops, then she gets on top of him and starts making out with him. I was like, oh, she's into it. But then like two scenes later, she betrays him or betrays the entire team. And at the end of the movie, he's like, get out of here, get out of here. You're innocent, basically, whatever. We're not here for you. We're here for Seamus. And she's like, no, but come with me. And I'm like, is this like another ruse? Like, is this a double cross? or does she actually do they actually have feelings for each other because it feels like they kind of do but it also might be like come with me and then like they get out of the city and she kills him like i don't know how to read <sighs> that dynamic so they're sitting in the car rachel and i are watching it and she's like are they gonna make this so like they end up a couple at the end of this and i was like i really hope not and then they start kissing and i was like god damn it so actually there is there are two alternate endings to this that are basically okay. that when they're at the cafe at the end right it's De Niro in the sling you know he's yeah and he's kind of waiting for her Right? Yes, because there's a woman who kind of looks like her who walks in. He like looks up, and then John Rose like she's not coming. Yep. So yeah. the original ending had her outside deciding whether or not to like go in, and then she decides not to, and she walks away, and then gets kidnapped by the IRA, the uh, I, the Irish Republican Army. Mm. They take her back, presumably to kill her. Yuck! It was like, wait, what? And then so that audiences were like, no, we don't like that. The other one was where she's outside, and then she just walks away at the end, and you know goes off, and but she was in both alternate endings like the original ending was the ira one but in two alternate endings that they shot and showed to audiences neither of which went over well she was there outside so like we could imagine that she's outside and she chooses not to because it doesn't it's not realistic that like like it's kind of the movie ending that they're together but like it's a weird thing built on betrayal kind of like he's lying to her and then she betrays him like nothing's honest about this not that you know nothing's no. really honesty among thieves or whatever but like yeah there should be like kind of valor or something right so you would think right you know, i love her i think she's beautiful i think she's really good in californication like i was rooting for her and i it hurt my soul when she betrayed us but like i was like i don't i don't need like a romance in this movie like no to have our I lead don't. get with the only woman in the movie it's like what yeah no. i know that's what I, I just felt misplaced i agree that's what i was saying too like i was hoping that we didn't go there just because like i didn't feel like it needed it even at the time and now too i'm like don't don't make this a movie where they get together in the end like we just don't need it he is a ronin like if anything give him like you know a master to serve afterwards that's not her well i mean she was because she was kind of the master he was serving although he's not really a ronin because his master is the cia it's the american government right so like i did really like their banter and their interactions as husband and wife out on the town in paris where he's like taking the subtle pictures and like he's like doing yeah. all this like, stuff and like here you know this is how you take the picture he's like he, and like if I was the guy who he asked to take the picture I'd be like yeah I get it but he's like taking all these pictures of the guy they're trying to steal a case from yes yeah and I thought that was very cool. really good I thought that was a really really nice play and I like the way that it played out he's like look this is how you do it see you just hold it here and you push this button and he keeps taking pictures of this guy yeah it's perfect it was a really good ruse I like that part a lot you know they go around and, like they're in front of where the guy is getting picked up in the car and he's like you know take some pictures me and my wife here get the background really get the background and he's like okay here one of you and my wife it's like wait what like that's yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, he's, he's all doing it just to whatever and then you know we get they figure out because he, he puts the he tilts the sign and when the sign falls they like they know how they're going to react in a panic situation like they know that they're trained for this it was also well played though because like if he's playing a dumb american tourist right and you're in paris and you're, like, a guy that's, like, staying in this hotel, you could definitely see, be like, oh, well, they're just fucking tourists, and, like, it's their first time on vacation, so... It, it actually worked. Like, if you're like, oh, here, like, let, take pictures of me and my wife, really get that tree, and then you're like, oh, here, let me take one of you and my wife, and it's like, okay, fine, yeah, I guess you're just a dumb tourist, so... Right. 
Oh, there is, like from Midnight Run, weirdly, there is a re- kind of a reverse, but a car door bunk. There is? Which, where was this at? When Jonathan Price, who's the ultimate villain, he plays Seamus, the guy that De Niro's been sent in to kill, unbeknownst to us for most of the movie. Stellan Skarsgård is running away toward the end of the movie, and Jonathan Price opens the door. Instead of running into the outside, he runs into the inside of the door and falls down. But I was like, the mm. only De Niro movies, there's a car door bunk. There's a car door bunk in this. Yeah, there you go. Another thing that I really enjoyed about this movie, there's a lot of really cool shots in the film when they're getting ready to go out on the town like you're just talking about right and they're like going down the steps there's like this long tracking shot do you remember this maybe i don't know so like she opens the door then it like passes through the wall and it's like watching them go down the steps through a window and then the guy Mm -hmm. spray paints out the window and i was like oh that's just like a really interesting cool shot and i also really really enjoyed at the end they bust in the room and when they open the door the guy's on the floor dead he looks up and she's on the ice dead and they're, like, both in the same position, kind of, mm-hmm. you know? Like, they're, like, perfectly lined up, and I was like, oh, that's a really cool shot, too. So, yeah. it, like, it's a, it's a well-made film, right? Like, I, I thought that it, like, looked nice, so. I like that stuff. I like the way this movie looks, and I like, like I was saying, the first, like, two-thirds of this, but I was talking to my friend Bob, who is in our Fantasy Baseball League and part of Tub Talk, and I was talking to him about this movie, and he described it in a way that I really, I it makes sense. He's like, it kind of feels like Mad Libs. Toward the end, they're trying to figure out, they're like, okay, okay, if... Dylan Skarsgård swapped out the case. He's like he couldn't have left the ho- he couldn't have left the the building, so he couldn't have done it. But like, where do you get the paint? Where do you get the case? <laughs> they look up and there's just like a girl like with her dad and like she's about to go ice skating. They're like, okay, so they're ice skates. They're like, well, where could they? Get the- he didn't leave the oh the Russians. It just feels like this like weird like kind of happenstance, which is like because there's a they little girl there too with much. the same case. It's like what? No, like that's it feels feels like the, the, the script went off the rails at that point. It's like this could have been a really kind of cool, like not like an all time great De Niro movie because he's got so many great movies, but it feels like it could have been like up there with some of the great ones, and then it just agree. falls off a little bit. But like again. Everything up through the car chase, the second car chase, the big, the one, the real car chase, the one that we basically, mm-hmm. the reason that this movie makes car chase lists. Everything up through there, I'm just like, yeah, I'm, I'm on board. Same, yeah. Dude, that's weird. We had, like, the same kind of weird experience about this. That that makes a lot of sense. It's just a bummer, like, because it's so cool. Like, again, wouldn't have been my favorite movie, This Lab, wouldn't have been my favorite De Niro movie. I still would have enjoyed Midnight Run more, but it's like, oh, that was, yeah, all right, that was fine. Yeah, it's like, okay, there's a really, there is a really cool car chase scene. They do it pretty well. It's not as big as some of the ones we see now. It's not as big as some of the ones we see in Fast and the Furious. The stakes aren't as high as a Marvel movie. But at the same time, like, it's cool. But also, like, that middle part is so fucking weird to me. Like, I don't even really have a problem with the end being such a roller coaster of weirdness. It's like that middle part that was really like, Yeah. So some trivia, including another fast connection here. There were over 300 stunt drivers that they hired to do the final chase, give it the required realism, which is a lot. One of them, former Formula One driver Jean-Pierre Jarrier. Ooh. Did you remember the scene where they come down, like, right before they steal the case, and they, like, drives into, like, these people seated outside eating? That scene looked so real. Like, I I think he actually hit a bunch of them with his car. It was, like, jarring to me. I was like, holy shit! Like, because he, like, comes around the corner, and these people are, like eating so they're like trying to scramble from the table as this car is coming around and he like knocks a few over or they like dive or something it was just really weird i was like damn there's a lot of stunt people in this movie thinking back 
to death proof, I could definitely see the stunt people being like, holy shit, like some of these stunts are crazy. Do they grab a chicken off a platter and eat the chicken or the Cornish hen? Because I mean, <laughs> if not, I'm not interested. <laughs> no, they don't. They definitely don't do that. Although there was, like, what I liked, it's not that scene, but it's something like that where they're in the car, it's the beginning of the car chase, right? And like, Jonathan Price is bellowing instructions to, to, to Natasha McElhone, like just, you know, here's what you have to do. And he's like, take the tunnel. And like, she has to like, there's like a bunch of traffic and she's like, she has to go basically on the sidewalk through a patio full of tables. And she just like, she says like, oh shit. Like just like yeah. that reaction there, just like, oh, oh no, like I'm, I might kill somebody here, but like I got, I literally have no other choice. <laughs> yep, and just yep. like the reaction, the realism there that she's in over her head a little bit, but doesn't want to be doing this, but like kind of has to be doing this. It was like, oh yeah, like that's, that sucks. Yeah, I agree. The other guy, I think his name is Larry in the movie, the driver, the wheel man. Yes. He wanted to do his own stunt driving during the car chases and the director agreed, but said to him, quote, I don't want to see any brake lights. Like basically, we, we talked a All lot gas. about in the Mission Impossible episodes of Cruise Club, there's not a better stunt driver than Tom Cruise. Like that's just what the directors have said. Like he's so good at what he does that like it makes it more realistic and he's going to do it as well as anybody else anyway. Cool. Here, it's just like, if you're going to do this, you better be as good as a stunt driver because, like, otherwise you're out of there. So I just like that he's like, hey, don't break, don't mess up. Like, this is, you know, I'll let you do it, but, like, make me proud, and I guess it worked. Yeah, that's that's always fair. I like that. If you want to do your own stunts, at least do them right. Like, don't half-ass them. So right. if you sucked at them and then they kept letting you do them and have to, like, cover for you later, it's, like, really lame. So the fast connection in the trivia is that to create the desired palette intended for the film, the art department was instructed to get props with muted colors. For crowd scenes, extras couldn't wear bright-colored clothes, which reminds me, remember, of the first movie. Painted all uh, the Rob Cohen was like, all the houses have to be painted muted colors so the cars really pop. So yep. I just think it's kind of interesting to think about the art direction the set direction all of that sort of the background things you don't necessarily notice about a movie until you read about it you're like oh right yeah like i didn't really think about how like the background is all kind of like drab and like the things that we're supposed to focus on really pop but they do very true very very true i like that and then two more little bits of trivia this actually has three different bond villains they have michael lonsdale who is the villain in moonraker sean bean who is the villain in goldeneye and jonathan price who is the villain in tomorrow never dies so like i don't know how many mm. movies have three bond villains in them but that's you know pretty weird and cool that's pretty weird and cool i agree yeah the other thing is when i sent you before we were trying to figure out who the sponsor would be because we got so many sponsors they all wanted to pay for us you know they all want to pay for this episode true. but in a 2008 readers poll conducted by car magazine four cars from this movie ran in the magazine's top 40 coolest movie cars. The Audi S8 was in the top 10, and Citroën XM and Peugeot 605, and the BMW 535i all made the list. Do you agree with that? Do you think that these are all cool cars? Like, are they top 40 cool cars? Even, no. like, dis- discrediting the last 10 years, because it's 2008, right? Like, I think they're it's, it's a cool chase, but I don't know that the cars themselves are cool. I don't think so either, and I was thinking about this, uh, so I have two thoughts on this, and, like, two things I want to say about this. I don't know if the Peugeot could keep up with the BMW like that. Like, I get that De Niro is, like, really pushing it, but, like, I don't know. I've never driven one to know if it would, like, actually keep up, but I'm really thinking that the BMW would just have just dusted the Peugeot. It's cool that they used the Peugeot, though, and I thought that was really interesting, right? They're in France. It's a French car. That's a really nice touch. It's not something you see every day, you know, in American movies. That's pretty cool. So actually here, I found the list of the the, the 40, I found the car magazine list of the 40 the countdown, the greatest cars in film history. Do you want to try to guess some? There's a lot of the ones that we've covered this lap are in the top 10. I bet all of the challengers and chargers from like Death Proof, Vanishing Point. Uh, Vanishing Point, the challenger was number 10. Okay. Um, Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry. Nope, that's not on the list. Think 
really iconic. Like Gumball Rally. They're from Cannonball Run. The Lamborghini Countach is thirty nine. But That's more iconic than like okay. like really really so number ten you have the Vanishing Point Challenger number nine is the Audi S8 from this but number six we've talked about a lot this lap number four we've talked about this lap number three we've talked about this lap the Mustang from from Gone in sixty seconds yep Eleanor number six the new Eleanor number six okay. number four we've talked about this lap two three and four we've all talked about this lap number one is the Aston Martin DB5 from Goldfinger so you know okay. a Bond a Bond thing makes sense number five is also a Bond car the Lotus Esprit Esprit from The yeah. Spy Who Loved Me. There's a Porsche 917 from Le Mans in, at number 8. Number 11 is a Casino Royale Bond car. Okay. There's a couple more movies lower down that we're going to get to, but 2, 3, and 4 are all from movies we've covered this lap. Um, give me some hints. I mean, that's a pretty big hint, I think. Yeah, I can't think of them. Number 4 is the DeLorean. Ah, makes sense, yes. Number 3 okay. is the Mini in the Italian Job. Yeah, makes sense, And number too. 2 is the Mustang and Bullet. Yeah, Bullet, that's for sure. Yeah, number Also two. on the list is the Knight Rider car, the Chitty yeah, Chitty Bang Bang car, which we've not covered. I don't think we're going to cover, but that was Nicole Sweeney's favorite car movie. Yeah. We got the Smoking the Bandit car, which we talked about we're going to cover. We got the yep. Lamborghini Murcielago from the Dark Knight on this list. Ah, uh, cool. The Lamborghini Mira from Italian Job oh, on yeah. the list. The 55 Chevy from Two Lane Blacktop on the list. Makes sense, yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of these cars. I mean, we did. I think we did a pretty good job. The I mean, the Bond ones are what we're missing, but, like, the Bond movies I don't really think of as car movies. They're something different, but... Yeah, yeah I know. guess they kind of exist, but they're also just Bond movies, right? So, like, it's, yeah. like, its own thing. Is there anything else about this movie or anything else about De Niro Week or Ronin or whatever that you want to say before we talk about what we're going to cover next week? Yes. I want to talk about the other part of my thing that I was just going to say. The Audi, like, the S8 is cool, but, like, it's not, like, a really, like, rare or interesting car, right? Like, you can just get one, so... You just need something that gets a little shove, right? Yeah, I mean, like, it's cool, it definitely is, like, I would love one, but at the same time, it's not, like, you know, something, like, super interesting. And the Citroën is really funny to me, because I was talking about this with Rachel beforehand, that when we were in Italy, I had a Citroën, and when we were in Mexico, I drove a Citroën, and the Mexican Citroën that we had was, like, the biggest piece of shit I've ever <laughs> driven in my life. Okay. Like, it was the car that we talk about that had, like, funhouse mirrors as the side mirrors. Did we ever tell you about this? Maybe? I don't know. They, like, were, like, convex or something. So, like, every time you would, like, look at, like, your pat, like your side mirrors, like, mm-hmm. they would just, like, they would distort the image. And you're, like, you couldn't even have made, like, flat mirrors for this fucking car. Like, how much did the mirrors cost? And it was just, like, this janky go-kart that's piece of funny, shit. That's funny, but that sucks, but that's funny. Yeah, so, like, oh, so, like, when they were, like, driving, like, somebody's driving a Citroen at one point and, like, racing through it. Oh, that's what it is. The guys are getting away with, like, the case and, like, the Audi's following them. And I'm like, this car would have just, like, snapped in half, like, going off-roading here. Like, the Audi would have been fine. This thing would have just been, like, destroyed. I don't know how this car survived this. So they probably, you know, like you said that they destroyed 80 cars. It was probably, like, 65 Citroens trying to get that (laughs) shot and, like, 15 other cars. The Audi was really weird in this movie, too, because, like, it's an all-wheel drive car, and he breaks it free. Like, he, like, slides this fucker all over the place. It's kind of hard to get those all-wheel drive cars going, and that car's kind of big, like, even in, like, a small space. Like, it's it's weird. Well, actually, that reminds me. It's not exactly that, but I love that we saw... Uh, it, it did it a couple times early, and then they cut away from it, but, like, the fact that, like, especially, I think it's Natasha McElhone, like, gear shifting, which I feel like we don't yes. see in a lot of movies, especially even this lap, that we're, like, all about cars 
you know, we see gear shifting in Fast and Furious a little bit, but like other than that, the fact that there's like I think at least two different cutbacks to the to the gear shifting. It was like I was like, this I is, agree. This is cool. Very cool. I agree. Yep. So next week we have like we mentioned is the fate of the Furious with a special guest. So that is coming up soon. And then on Friday we have Smokey and the Bandit mentioned earlier mm-hmm. in this lap. One of the most iconic cars according to that car magazine survey. Mentioned yeah. it earlier in the lap. We could have had a Burt Reynolds week if we did it with Cannibal Dude, Run. I don't but remember Smokey... anything. I haven't seen this movie since I was like a very small child. So this I have another seen one. It, so I'm I'm excited for the new thing. Yeah, I'm very very excited because like I'm glad that we're revisiting all these classic car movies. Like I know about. I've definitely seen a bunch of as a kid, but like I haven't visited in 20, 30 years now. So I hope you enjoyed Robert De Niro week. We I think we got like one and a half car movie. Not even like we got like. We got like half, two thirds of a car movie, and then uh, a fifth of a car movie. So like we have almost one full car movie between the two. (laughs) But the movie that was less about cars, I think, was better. I mean, the coolest car thing was in Ronin, but like the better movie overall, I think, is Midnight Run. Midnight Run's a blast. Yeah, I agree. Go check those out. But for all things Too Fast, Too Forever, you can go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash Too Fast, Too Forever, or at Too Fast, Too Forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, family at cageclub.me. Check out our Patreon page. Get stickers. Get pics in each Mm -hmm. lap. At too fast too forever.com. If you have not yet, please leave us a review on iTunes wherever you get podcasts and come back next week as we talk about the Fate of the Furious and Smokey and the Bandit. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Too. And we'll see you next time right here on Too Fast Too Forever. Peace out. Peace out. You Peace out.